we started my first day, I show up, not a single person looked up to say hello or welcome me. <laughs> they were all working feverishly to try to launch the product. And then I find this younger engineer and I asked him if I could help. And he said, yes. I ended up taking over that project. That video player was the presentation interface for that technology that ended up winning the Emmy. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there. And plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, I am proud of my own Filipino-Hawaiian heritage, and I am excited to celebrate May as Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. You can join in on the celebration by visiting us at leadwithyourbrand.com slash AAPI so you can hear our full collection of AAPI voices featuring amazing leaders, executives, and influencers, all who identify as AAPI. Check out amazing episodes with guests like Cynthia Chu, the Chief Financial Officer and Growth Officer at Audible, with Robin Singvi, the founder of Text startup SmartQ, and Pooja Vora, the Executive Vice President of Marketing for Paramount Streaming. We've got another amazing guest with us today. It is Vibol Hu, who is the Executive Vice President and Chief Technology Officer for Paramount Streaming. But before we get to Vibol, I want to talk a little bit about your brand and hitting the easy button. For those of you who've been listening for a long time, you know that I grew up in Hollywood, in fact, spending over 25 years working at NBC Universal. So you know that I love bringing in Hollywood business models and stories to really illustrate my point about brands. Now, one of the amazing entertainment, media, and tech companies that I have the privilege of working with is Paramount Global, or quite simply, Paramount. Now, I love the team over there. I've had a chance to work with so many individual teams, as well as Bob Backish and his leadership team, and of course, the amazing Propel Learning team over there. But the thing that I love about Paramount is how they have created a brand that is perfect for an over 100-year-old company that is driving into the new streaming world. So whether you're a consumer or you actually work 
work in tech and media, you know that the seismic forces are changing in entertainment and media when we look at direct-to-consumer and streaming. Now, if we go back a few years, CEO Bob Backish really spearheaded that merger and reintegration along with Sherry Redstone of bringing Viacom back together with CBS Interactive. And when they first came back together, they had that name Viacom CBS. But Bob and Sherry really knew that they needed to evolve the company for the future. And part of that was making a huge bet in streaming. And you guessed it, they decided to bring that brand Paramount back out of the vaults, right? The original company in their portfolio to have the brand that would represent their entire streamer as Paramount Plus. Now, why did that make complete sense? And in fact, it was a little bit hard because for so many years, people were familiar with CBS Interactive as the place to get all of your CBS content after it aired on your local CBS station. But it really made sense to make a big play in the streaming space and include more content. But what did they need to do? They needed to listen to the voice of their audience and the user, which is you. So they came up with Paramount Plus as that name for the streamer that really brought along a brand with it. It evoked everything that was great about Paramount Studios, right? I grew up loving everything from Paramount, like my favorite movie, Sunset Boulevard, to TV shows like Star Trek and The Brady Bunch, right? But Paramount Plus was all about taking that great legacy, modernizing the look and feel, and really saying that all assets of their company could be at the Everest of great storytelling, that Paramount Plus was a place where RuPaul's Drag Race could sit right along with SpongeBob SquarePants and the Nickelodeon gang and sit right there with a blockbuster film like Top Gun Maverick. Well, you know what? Their bet paid off so well that they eventually changed the entire name of the company from Viacom CBS to Paramount Global, or what we now know as Paramount. They were hitting the easy button for their customers, their viewers, their users, you, as well as their investors. So how does that come around to branding for yourself? Well, quite simply, you already know all of the amazing things that you can do and the amazing things that you bring to the table. The real question is, are you hitting the easy button for your career audience? Are you making it easy for them to understand not only what you do, but the value that you are going to bring? And just like what Paramount did, this isn't about just creating something brand new. No, it's really going back to what are you great at? Right? What are those amazing things that you've always been known for that you can deliver regardless of what the platform is? So I go back and think for myself, after 25 years working for big media corporations internally, six years ago, I launched my own business as a personal branding expert, a diversity advocate, and a keynote speaker. And I had to think to myself, wow, like I've been known as part of these big media corporations for so long, how do I create a brand that's really just for Jason? Well, you know what? 
It wasn't about creating a brand. It was about going back just like Paramount did and saying, what am I great at? And I thought to myself, well, you know what? I've always been an advocate. I've been an advocate for diverse employees. I've been an advocate for any employee that's trying to get ahead. I've always been a storyteller. I've always been a super connector about connecting the dots in ideas and connecting people to add value. So I brought a brand that was really the best of everything that I've done all the way going back to childhood, just like Paramount did when they created Paramount Plus as well as Paramount Global as their moniker. Well, we've got an amazing show. And speaking of Paramount, we've got Vibol Hu, who is the EVP and Chief Technology Officer for Paramount Streaming. Now, Vibol oversees all streaming technology and engineering efforts at Paramount, which includes great titles like Paramount Plus and Pluto TV. In fact, Vibol served as the chief technology officer of Pluto TV, where he led a diverse and global team charged with architecting, building, and operating the technology behind Pluto TV. Now, Vibol has authored 19 patents and has two decades of experience working in various technology leadership roles at companies like Stim TV, Demand Media, and Spin Media. Now, in 2007, Vibol and his team actually won an Emmy Award. At the time, he was the architect and engineering leader behind the technology for Stim TV, and he and his team were awarded a coveted technology and engineering Emmy for the best use of on-demand technology. We'll be back in just a few moments with Vibol Hu. <laughs> For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I have a spectacular guest with us here today. It is the EVP and Chief Technology Officer for Paramount Streaming. It is Vibol Who. Vibol, what is going on? Jason, 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 thanks for having me. It's really good to see you. Hey, it's great to see you. It's It's been a while since we've been in one of the uh, the Paramount uh, leadership training sessions that you are so great at speaking at. I'm glad that you had me on for the sessions. Absolutely. The feedback has been phenomenal. Oh, well, I love uh, helping leaders grow. And as I know that you do too. So Vibol, let's jump in. I know that when you work in tech and when you work in media, which you work at the intersection of, you know, you're always meeting people. So tell me, how do you introduce yourself and tell people who you are and what it is that you do? Oh, that's been quite a development um, <laughs> over time. I used to introduce myself as, you know, the problem solver, the tech guy. I mean, for a while, I also did all the IT work. And so, you know, it was, that was tech support. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I, I didn't really develop kind of a, a way to, I'd say, you know, brand that well up until recently, honestly, mm. I've, I've been much more, um, 
I suppose, shy about talking about the, you know, the things that we do and the successes that we have. Uh, but working for a media entertainment company, as you know, it's showtime all the time. So we've got to, uh, you know, we've got to do a much better job of, uh, especially on the tech side, just better job of representing ourselves and telling our stories. Absolutely. And so tell me, what is exciting uh, happening at Paramount Streaming right now? What is cool with Pluto TV? What do we need to know about Paramount Plus? What's going on? Oh, it's, there's a lot of activity. There's a lot of innovation that's happening across all of the groups. We've got a huge plan. We've got many new features, capabilities. Uh, you know, you take a look at a product like Pluto TV, it's still quite a simple product. You've got an EPG, you've got a VOD section, and it's all hand curated. Yeah. So one of the things that we're doing is we're taking a lot of the learnings that we've developed um, within Paramount Plus, uh, which does a whole lot of recommendations, a lot of machine learning, and we're applying those tactics to Pluto TV as well. So we should expect to see a lot of real, real interesting uh, user interface enhancements, um, improvements and discoverability of our content. It's quite an exciting time. Yeah. So I know that we've got a lot of listeners that come from the technology space, but maybe for folks that come from other industries or are more on the media and entertainment side, tell us what the heck does a chief technology officer do anyways? Oh, geez. That's a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) Ask me which year I was a chief technology (laughs) officer and I'll tell you what I was doing that year. So what have been some of your big career breakthroughs? I mean, you won an Emmy, right? Can I tell you about how I started my first day at that company? Yes. It was a small startup. I, so I, I had this choice to choose you know, to go to Yahoo, which was hiring you know, still at the time. And, um, and, but they were up in Sunnyvale. Uh, or the small startup I interviewed for that uh, sat in the middle of nowhere. There's strawberry fields all around. This is Oxnard, California. Um, beautiful town, beautiful area. Um, but I, I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I drove that three hours from Long Beach to Oxnard to interview for the company. <laughs> <laughs> I was driving through strawberry fields. Um, well, I decided to join that company. Uh, and my thinking at the time was, oh, it's a small company. You know, it's, it should be easier to work for them. Like there's, I could try more things out and I'd, I'd probably gotten like two or three websites under my belt by that point, just coming out of college. I was doing consulting work and um, uh, I started my first day. I show up, not a single person looked up to say hello or welcome me. <laughs> they were all working feverishly to try to launch the product. And then I find this younger engineer. And I asked him if I could help. And he said, yes. I ended up taking over that project. That video player was the presentation interface for that technology that ended up winning the Emmy. Wow. Uh, There was a lot of other work that was happening under the, it wasn't just the player. It was the discovery um, engine that was built as well. Um, But we pulled it together and within like the next six months or so, launched the product, submitted it for the Emmys won the Emmys to our surprise. (laughs) Did you get to go to the dinner? Unfortunately, I I didn't. Um, Oh, no. I was was able to to hold the Emmy in my hands, and (laughs) it's a very, very heavy piece of uh, trophy. 
um, award. It was great. It's, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed my time uh, at STEM TV. There was a lot to learn. We built a lot of interesting technologies that never existed before. Um, and, you know, it was a great time. Yeah. So, Vibol, tell me, how did you get to be the chief technology at Pluto TV? I mean, that's a huge shift. It's been quite a journey. You know, year zero, um, there are two engineers and myself. Wow. And I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm doing, you know, scripting in the back end. I, I enjoy doing a lot of DevOps um, style work, which is a lot of scripting and gluing things together. I had a front end engineer and a back end engineer, and we're all working on, you know, building Pluto together. Yeah. Um, fast forward a, a few years and, you know, suddenly you've got 70 engineers. Fast forward a few more years and suddenly you've got a few hundred engineers. And so the, the role for a chief technology officer changes quite dramatically over time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of the time that I spend now, uh, as, as you know, Jason, is on people. Yeah. It's on, you know, talking about and thinking about what, is this, what it is that we need to do uh, to enable our people and to empower them to do their best work. Yeah. And it's something I like to say a lot, but I really mean it. It's, it's a hard problem to solve, especially uh, when there are so many people involved, when there are so many, when the company is so large as well. Yeah. And, and so, Vibol, talk to me about that inflection point, right? Because you, you are a technologist by trade, you know, and all of that. But now you're a technologist that's leading a ginormous team of people. What was that, that inflection point for you where it became as much about people as it was about technology? Yeah. You know, I, when, when Tom approached me to ask me um, if I was interested in taking on a, a greater role um, with the company, it was the, the streaming division had just been formed. And yeah, and this was a few months after that. Um, yeah, I, I had to think hard about where we were as I was CTO for Pluto TV at the time. Yeah. Um, and we had uh, probably well over 700 engineers at that point, And, you know, we we're kind of, busting at the seams, trying to get so much work done. And while building the teams up as quickly as we could to, to sustain that work, we, we went from, you know, hundred million dollar revenue to billion dollars in the period of something like 18 months after we were acquired by um, Viacom. And so it, it was a dramatic, you know, series of growth initiatives, things that frankly, at the time I didn't know, how to do. Yeah. And, you know, many of our team members who joined us came from large companies, small companies alike. But um, the, the thing that as so, so we, we did all those things within Pluto and I was asked that question. And of course, I mean, you know, who, who passes up an opportunity to take on more <laughs> responsibility. <laughs> exactly. And so um, we, you know, I, 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 um, I joined as um, chief technology officer for Paramount Streaming at that point. And I inherited um, another roughly thousand people. Yeah, it's a lot. Between four other divisions in the company. And so, um, you know, when I looked, took a step back and looked at it, I was like, well, we need to figure out our culture. Mm. There are five different cultures that we're 
um, what we have here. There, you know, the, there are so many different small companies, um, Viacom, CBS, Pluto. How do you create this common culture when you're kind of bringing everyone together and it's a little bit like, you know, uh, when the Brady Bunch first came together and it's like, you know, all of these kids and now they have to they have to work together. How would you define the culture that you've built and that you're continuing to build at Paramount Streaming? Well, we one of our values at Paramount Streaming is collaboration is our superpower. Yeah. So it's, it's something we truly believe in. It's something that at Pluto um, we we practiced incessantly because we knew as a small team it's the only thing we could do to to you know pull each other forward. Mm. You don't have enough funding to you know hire all the teams you want, so everyone's just got to uh, really pull together. And so that idea um, and that that ethos is something that I. I believe in strongly and in my own interactions, I, I practice, um, you know, collaborative spirit, uh, heavily as, as much as possible. It's not always easy. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of personalities that, you know, we all have to work with, but I think, um, when we approach even just a hello with someone else, yeah. that initial opening, um, and you know, we, we approach that with, a sense of openness and you know what, what I one of the traits that I look for on my team is curiosity right? just mm. just approaching with a genuine sense of care and curiosity for the other person just wanting to know them you know say hello um, trying to under, you know, want to try to understand them that creates a really positive space so, Vibo, take me back a little bit to the beginning. You know, now you lead this huge team for, you know, what is many folks' favorite streaming platforms. But what did you want to do when you were a kid? What did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> there are two things that came to mind. Um, and I, I remember this uh, quite well because, you know, I was asked that question when I was young. And we were, we were asked to draw a picture of what it was that we wanted to be. And there were two things that came up th at different points in my youth. Uh, one was a firefighter. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, and it came out of a memory. In my neighborhood, I was probably around uh, nine, ten years old. And there's this huge fire in the neighborhood. Yeah. And this entire apartment building went up in flames and I could see the fire engines you know, all lining the street and the firefighters running up the stairs and like bringing people down, carrying them down. And I thought to myself, wow, like that's, that's something that I want to do. I want to help people. And, and so that was, that was one of the, um, uh, you know, just growing up, one of the things I always aspired to do. Yeah. The other one was being a jet fighter pilot. <laughs> and that, that was, uh, my parents wouldn't have any of that one. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit yeah. about, about your parents. What were some of the things that you learned from them that helped shape your career and who you are today? Oh, goodness. You know, th this is a story that I've, I seldom tell, but um, I suppose now is a, as good a time as any. So my, my family is um, a family of refugees. Uh, we wow. we came to America from Cambodia uh, during the genocide, so it was 1975 through 79, and we fled 
there's a whole story behind how we fled is it took years um, to finally make it to the Thai border. Um, I was born in the refugee camp wow. and uh, spent about a year there before the um, UN High Commissioner for Refugees placed us on a plane um, and flew us over to Long Beach, California. So we started in this country with nothing but the clothes on our back and, you know, some ticket stubs, which we still have. Wow. And um, I, I remember, you know, walking with my mom. I was young. I was probably four or five years old at that point. Uh, school hadn't started yet. And, you know, she was rummaging around in the alley in the, in the trash bins for um, cans and bottles. And she'd chuck them over to me and I'd put them in the bag. And, you know, suffice to say, we didn't have a lot. We were yeah. living on uh, the support that we got from the government and the community. And, you know, honestly, I, I thank everyone who supported us at that time. It, it was such a trying time for all of the families that um, you know, that were displaced to hear, not yeah. speaking the language. We all had to pull, like I said, like pull together. We had to band together to find our place. And the thing that I learned in those moments, you know, continue um, to, to influence how I think about everything that I do today, the, yeah. the grit, the persistence, the hard work, Right. There, there isn't a single problem that I don't believe that myself or anyone on my teams can't solve. Yeah. We, you know, if we put our minds to it, I'm confident that we can solve it. And it's, it's that determination that, um, my parents, um, influenced me with as we were growing up and, you know, making our way back kind of back up on our feet. And, um, and I have also my, you know, my six brothers and sisters to thank. Um, <laughs> I've got quite a large family. I'm the youngest of all of them, but they, they ended up, you know, they helped raise me when I was growing up and also influenced me in the ways that, you know, I think about things today. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so Vibol, how did you break into technology in the first place? I have my brother to thank for that. I was saying my, my, my siblings, had a large part to play in my upbringing. And um, I was nine years old when my brother brought home our first computer. It was a very old, um, I don't remember exactly what kind of operating system it was. It was a very old, like mainframe-like computer. Yeah. Um, that was probably built in the 70s, but you know, this, this was now the 90s and um, the school was getting rid of all their old stuff. So my brother, you know, uh, got a hundred bucks from my, my mom and went to school, bought the computer, brought it back and, uh, said, Hey, here's a computer. I <laughs> <laughs> don't know what it was. I was busy playing Nintendo and Atari games back then. <laughs> um, but it piqued my interest. I, I was very curious about, you know, what this thing with the green screen and the keyboard was. And I spent a lot of time tinkering with it. Just curious trying to make it do something. It, it didn't have anything that we have today. It didn't have games. It just it had a little, you know, prompt on the screen with a, link, a little blinking cursor and you could type stuff in and it, it tell tell you command not found. Typing different commands and Yeah, and that's what that's what got me started. It's just it 
that really got me curious about computers. And uh, from there, we got you know we got the next computer, and they got better and better. Um, and I I remember I think it was by the time I turned thirteen or fourteen, I ended up uh, finding a computer store that would um, work with me, or you know that I would do some work for. Uh, as I had gotten so interested in like putting them together, taking them apart, configuring them. Um, so that's, that's how I, you know, got into computers and that's kind of, it's been that way since. <laughs> Always tinkering around, I see. I mean, in <laughs> fact, oh. you have authored over 19 patents. So talk, talk to me about that. I mean, how do you even do that? Oh, goodness. You know, I, um, I didn't start thinking about creating patents. When I took on the Pluto role, um, they already had a process started to create, you know, a patent set for the product. Problem was there wasn't anything written. So <laughs> they had a, a lawyer engaged, um, a, a patent attorney engaged, and they had started putting together kind of the rough frame of the Pluto system as it, as it stood that, you know, at that point. But they hadn't written any claims, which are so patents are like you describe the, the invention kind of thing, and then you claim a whole bunch of ways that that invention operates, and th those those become kind of the core of the patent. So all they did was they wrote a big manual for Pluto TV, <laughs> <laughs> and hadn't written any of the claims. So um, and you know, patents are not easy to read; they're very difficult to read. Um, but, uh, you know, I was, I was asked to, to take over that process. And I, I remember reading this like 200 page manual for Pluto TV and I got to the end of like, okay, so now what? <laughs> <laughs> so Vibo, let's talk a little bit about your brand as a CTO and an executive leader. Give me three words that you would use to describe yourself and brand Vibol. Um, I like to think of myself as hands-on. Mm. Um, I like to get things done. And when I, when I talk to people about their challenges, their problems, their, the things they're trying to solve for, I always try to understand them. Mm. And, and so I'll say... Yeah, I get it. I got you. Understand what you're saying. Because um, I think that like those those components make up for the the cycle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You understand the problem. You get hands on. Well, you say you understand the problem. You get hands on. You get the job done. Then you can repeat that cycle over and over again. And the everyone can do that process, but I think what I enjoy most is when, you know, I'm working with people and we're, we're really building off of each other's energy yeah, and, and, and positive momentum. And we, we get the job done. Um, that's really, for me, that's really rewarding. Yeah. So I love that, you know, understanding being hands-on and getting things done. Now, the, the thing that is interesting to me is like when we think about being hands-on and, and like executing, that can be great as, you know, a technologist, but talk to me about how that's evolved now that you're, you know, a CTO and you're leading thousands of folks. How do you, uh, 
how do you gauge what's the right amount of hands-on and, and execution versus stepping back and letting others do that? I generally um, give a lot of leeway to my leaders to do yeah. what they think is right. What I found is most important is getting aligned on the ideas that we're going for. Right? The, mm. the, the kind of, it's not even strategy at this point. It's kind of, take for instance, um, <clears throat> you know, the ideas around inner sourcing, right? That's, yeah. that's one of our, our goals. The reason for that idea is because in um, surveying the entire group, there are a lot of things that we're doing that are the same things in different groups, right? And my my thought is not immediately to say, okay, let's just put those all those, those team members in one team and just have them go, because that would blow a whole bunch of stuff up, right? Yeah. That, that would slow down um, the momentum of the existing process. And so you kind of have to balance, um, you know, a, a desire to just shake things up and change things up for the sake of doing that versus the momentum and velocity of the existing operations and whether or not that's sufficient, um, you know, based on what you believe or what I believe. Um, and then that kind of that future state where we, we understand that there, you know, there's value to be found in converging the activities. Yeah. Um, so, so then you apply that and you say, okay, I see this happening in a lot of different places. How do we solve for this? And the solution there is to initially, like at least my way of looking at it is get everyone connected, mm. get, get everyone talking to each other. But before we do that, um, because everyone's, you know, on different wavelengths, different frequencies of how to operate. Uh, we, we laid down another set of, um, uh, values that we call our culture code. Yeah. And these, these are simple, um, behaviors that when I look at myself, my teams in the way that I see, like that, when I look at our team members, especially the ones that are like performing really well, they tend to exude like these behaviors. Um, and one of them is curiosity about everything. Yeah. The second one's hunger to solve problems. A third is care for others. A fourth is commitment to duration. And then we, we double down on the inner sourcing point as our fifth culture code item. But, you know, so we, we say, okay, this is how we want to work with each other. Like these simple ideas. So, Vibal, talk to me. Has this sort of been your style and your brand, you know, forever? How has your how has your style and your professional brand evolved over time and even as you've become a leader of much bigger teams? Yeah, it it has changed dramatically in the last couple of years. And um the the reason for that is because, you know, just getting the work done is is it can only be sustained to a certain point before, you know, things you didn't really focus on start to create a lot of problems. I think when it comes to culture and people, that's one thing I've learned is that it, it's, there's a lot of intent around what is said, the things that we put in place, but where the rubber meets the road is how well, you know, like I 
portray those values, how much, how well I live those values and, and, um, express that, you know, to the teams, my teams, um, uh, and hopefully, you know, they start to, to portray those values as well. What we did with the, the culture code is just get really specific about the behaviors that, re that would help us connect with each other more readily. This is what we're going through right now. This, this whole culture code we launched about six months ago and we're still yeah. on the journey to, to exercise it and, and leverage it for our, you know, for our collective benefit. Yeah. And I know like, you know, we're human beings, we're not technology, so we can't be perfect all of the time. How do you as a leader manage and course correct when you sort of fall off or act in a way that isn't exactly the way that you want to role model the culture code? Well, if I did something wrong, I apologize. Yeah. And I, that's the, the first thing to do is to own up to your mistake. Mm. But in, in a in an environment where everyone cares for each other, um, forgiveness comes naturally. Wow. And then the intent to do good work together is, is the underlying um, kind of goal. And so, um, you know, the next question is what can I do better? I, I mean, that's, that's related to how everyone develops their careers, right? Like, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I'm often asked by like our, our newest engineers, like the, the youngest, the least experienced ones, like, how do I start my career? How do I build it up? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, everything's on the internet. The, the, the knowledge <laughs> about how one goes from being a junior to one, being a CTO, it's all on the internet. So what, what it is, is about how do you leverage all of that knowledge around you? to help you chart the direction that you want to go in and who is it that you have nearby that you can run these ideas against, right? To just mm. bounce the idea off of, is this a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Like help me course correct. Right. And so it's that, it's that pattern that I think, um, you know, we, we, I think we all do intrinsically some do it better than others, but yeah, it's a very, it's a very interesting place for, people these days there's there's so much knowledge available to us yeah it's really about how do you, how do you curate it and then how do you actually take action on it right yeah yeah but listen like my experience has been pretty straightforward you get what you put in mm. i put in a lot of work i you know i help companies build the products mature them grow them do that make their businesses operate not not unlike what we did for for Pluto. Yeah. And the, the benefits for, you know, all of us, uh, follow the effort that we put in. Yeah. And people recognize, um, you know, in good companies, people recognize and leverage, um, others in good ways. Um, so the culture of the company is really important to continuing to, to move up and progress. Um, I can say, you know, the culture that we're building is one for, growth. You know, we we're in our current states, we want to grow beyond where we are. Yeah. And, um, a lot of that's a lot of that I know is built into our current team. Like we have all the knowledge to help each other take things to the next level. Yeah. 
And so, Vibal, a couple of fun, quick questions to close us out. We've been talking about your brand as a leader. Uh, what's your favorite brand as a consumer? What can't you live without? Right. It's this thing we call the internet. Yeah. I mean, it does have a capital I, so I suppose it's a brand. Um, <laughs> it's the most powerful invention um, that you know, uh, humankind's ever created. And yeah. It's accelerated how we all progress so much. Absolutely. Now, Vibel, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be and why? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're getting me with these questions. Um, um, My my wife wouldn't like this answer very much, but... um, (laughs) You know, I, I really... I really... I don't have one, but I really enjoy the Porsches. Ooh. I love the way they look. They're not, you know, hard lines or they tend to have flow, you know, lines that flow, but they're also sports machines. Yeah. And uh, they're very enjoyable to drive. I've driven them. And why are you like a Porsche? Why am I like a Porsche? Um, Porsches are nimble. Mm. I mean, a lot of sports cars are, but um, Porsches specifically, they're nimble and they look great doing it. Yeah. And finally, Vibel, what's the best career advice you'd like to pass on to our listeners? If there's something that I've learned in the last couple of years is that it's really important to find your vision. Mm. That's, that's a, it's a process. I, I've had many different kinds of visions in, in my life, but, um, you know, really being thoughtful about that vision, that aspiration that you want to get to, whether it's your brand or your career or your next job, like thinking further, right? Like when I mentioned, chart that path to where you want to be. Yeah. All that information about what that path looks like, map it out, right? There's no one else going to help you. Like you gotta, you gotta do that. And, um, and then I think the rest of the exercise is to live and grow that vision. Yeah. So my advice is, uh, it's not just one piece of advice. (laughs) It's a whole system. It's a whole system. Well, Vibel, thank you so much for sharing with us today, for understanding, uh, for getting hands-on with us and getting things done. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Jason, so much for having me on. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, what a pleasure it was to sit down with Vibal Hu, the EVP and Chief Technology Officer over at Paramount Streaming. You know, Vibal had so much great advice, but the one thing that really resonated with me was this whole concept of serving people. That's right, the Technology Officer talked all about serving people. Now, here's where I think it comes to play for you. 
In your brand, you have some type of great expertise. In fact, you probably have a lot of different types of technical and functional expertise, right? You are that amazing journalist. You're that amazing finance or marketing person, right? You've got all of that there. But at the end of the day, your brand is both that technical expertise as well as how you serve people. Quite frankly, you can be the best person at X, Y, and Z, but if your brand can't connect and serve your career audience, they won't be knocking on your door to leverage your skills. So make sure your brand isn't just about you, it's about the people you serve. Well, that's our show for today. If you loved what you heard, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll deliver a show every single week. We're continuing our celebration of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, so check us out at leadwithyourbrand.com slash AAPI, where you can hear our full collection of AAPI voices. Now, check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms. And shoot me a note or a question on LinkedIn, and I'll incorporate it into one of our future shows. Now, most importantly of all, in your career, don't be that boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure that you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.